0: Good morning. Good morning. So no need to rush off after the service today. Food is already being prepared, right? So please stay and uh, have some fellowship with us and enjoy uh, the goodness of the Lord and enjoy his provision for us as well so we 've come to the to the end of this series on uh, david and we 've been studying this for the past number of weeks and as we just did the review with our with our quiz, you can see a little bit of what we 've been trying to learn in life lessons uh, through the life of david and uh, Today, the topic or the title of the message is "Come to the table." Now you can see we have this beautiful table out here, okay. Um, I have a few more ice cream coupons to give away, so watch out, all right, so, uh, and it's going to involve this table here as well, so the title of the message is come to the table, right, and the story is the story of uh, Mephibosheth, okay, now I know that name sometimes is, is hard to pronounce, and we read the portion of scripture from Second Samuel chapter 9, Pastor Kevin did a message in this series a few weeks ago about friendship and talked about this covenant that was made between David and Jonathan, which was one of our questions as well. David's best friend was, was Jonathan. And when they made this uh, covenant, uh, it was a covenant of loyalty one to another and towards their family. We see it in 1 Samuel chapter 20 and verse 42 when it comes up there. All right, I can see it up there. Anyways, so the verse is, I'll read it to you, 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 42. At last, Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, for we have sworn loyalty to each other in the Lord's name. The Lord is the witness of a bond between us and our children forever. Right? And so there was this covenant that was made between Jonathan and David. A covenant to be loyal one to another and for generations afterwards for their children. So after making this bond, so many other things happen in the life of David. He finally becomes king. He destroys his enemy. And now he's ruling and reigning in Jerusalem. And shortly after this, he remembers uh, his covenant with Jonathan. And so it says in 2 Samuel chapter 9 and verse 1. One day David asked, is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? So David was looking around and he wanted to find somebody that he could show kindness because of this covenant that he made with Jonathan, because of this promise, because of this loyalty that he had to Jonathan. He was like, is there someone that I can make, that I can show kindness to? Now this word kindness It's a very special word in the Old Testament. It's probably my favorite word in the Old Testament, right? And the word there is is hesed, okay? And I'm probably not pronouncing it right because there's some, like, saliva that needs to be produced and things in the throat. to say hesed, okay? Um, That's probably more, like, how it's supposed to sound, but I'm going to say it hesed right? And it's a beautiful word because it describes so many beautiful characteristics of God. We actually don't really have a good English translation for that word. It's translated kindness here, but we don't really have a really comprehensive word that describes what this word actually talks about. So, coming to, to my first point, you can see it in your notes on the back of your bulletin. By the way, your bulletin is very important today. Hint, hint. Okay. So, um, on the back of your bulletin, right, the first point there is that we're going to look at. We're going to look at a few things this morning. David's expression of hesed love exemplifies God's great love and grace towards us, right? David's expression of hesed love towards Mephibosheth is it, it exemplifies God's great love and grace towards us. See this word that's translated has said it's actually occurs 3 times in this one chapter in chapter 9 of 2nd Samuel but in the old testament it's translated various ways it's translated kindness mercy goodness favor loving kindness steadfast love the steadfast love of the lord never ceases So it's hard to describe in one English word what all of this actually actually represents or means, but it represents this favor of God, this grace of God, this kindness of God, the mercy of God that he shows towards his people. But if I can narrow it down in a more specific way, it actually is loyal love or covenant love. It's a love that is loyal. It's a love that is sealed with a covenant. It's a love that is, is very special. So sort of like this covenant that David made with Jonathan, it's a, it's a covenantal love. It's a loyal love. It's a very special love that's seen. In Second uh, Samuel chapter 9, in verse 3, it says, The king then asked him, Is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. Here David says specifically, if there's anyone still left, what I want to show them is God's kindness, right? God's kindness. David wanted to show this God's hesed, God's love, God's mercy, God's grace, God's favor, God's goodness, God's loving kindness, God's loyal, covenantal love. David wanted to show to one of the descendants of Saul, one of the descendants of Jonathan. In the, in the previous chapter, we read of David's military victories. We read about the time when David was actually gaining so much fame, when David was actually uh, having so many victories, his name was spreading about, everyone was coming to know who this man David was. And many leaders at this point in time become very egotistical. Many leaders at this point, when they gain fame, they gain notary, they start winning victories, their names start spreading abroad. David now is sitting as king over Israel, and Israel is getting greater and greater. God is blessing him. And at this point in time, there's so many leaders, it goes to their head, and they become very egotistical and say, I'm such a great person, everyone else is under me. But David responds differently. And in chapter 8, you see him gaining all these victories. And then in chapter 9, at the beginning of chapter 9, David says, is there anyone from the family of Saul, my enemy Saul, is there anyone that I can show hesed love, covenantal love, loyal love, loving kindness, mercy? David seeks to show this. And now Mephibosheth, he was, he was rejected. He was broken. He was an outcast. Remember, he's the grandson of Saul. And and what happened without going into the whole story is that what happened to Mephibosheth is when he heard the, when they heard the news that Saul and Jonathan had, had died and his nurse was taking him and she dropped him and he became a cripple on his feet and he was, he was taken away to a place called Lodabar and he was just hanging out over there in obscurity. He was disabled. He was lame. He couldn't do anything. Yet David calls him to Jerusalem. David calls him to the place of his table, and he says to Mephibosheth, don't fear. There's a beautiful picture, a beautiful illustration, a beautiful description of what God does for us. We may be broken, forsaken, cast away. We may be fearful, but I want to tell you today from the word of the Lord that God calls us to himself. God calls us with hesed love to himself. And he calls us to his table. He calls us to sit at his table, just as David called Mephibosheth, broken, rejected, despised, lame, crippled, uh, bruised, disabled, and he called him to come to his table. And this is what God does for us. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verses 7 and 8, it says, I think I got my thing back correct. All right. OK Ephesians one, verse seven and eight. here we go. So in this verse it says, "He is so rich in what? Kindness. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with his blood, with the blood of his son, and forgave our sins. He has soured his kindness on us now this is in the original is in greek so you don't have that same word hesed but it's the same meaning he showers us with this hesed love with his with his kindness right we need to realize and understand first that we are all sinners we have all failed god's grace we have all failed god we have all we have faults and failures none of us is good we all fall short of god's glory we all have messed up but even in that state, especially in that state, as we confess our sins and we turn to God, he pours out his kindness on us. Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 1 to 3, it says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, disobeying—sorry, uh, obeying the devil. All of us used to live in that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. This is how we lived. Maybe this is how we're living right now. And if that's the case, I want to tell you that God is calling you to himself in Hesed love. God is calling you to his table today in Hesed love. Today we're having a barbecue after the service. And this is such a beautiful description, such a beautiful illustration of God's Hesed love. You can go out there and you can have some free food. You can go out there and you can eat a nice juicy hamburger, but I want to tell you, when you sink your teeth into that juicy hamburger, I want you to remember God's Hesed love that brings us to his table, that allows us to eat continually, At his table. Mephibosheth had this blessing to come and eat continually at at the table of David, the king. And God gives us the same privilege to be able to eat at the table of the king. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, just the next couple of verses it says, But God is so rich in mercy. And he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. See, this is God's riches. This is God's kindness. This is what God does for us. Can you see through all of these verses God's grace towards us. God's grace to you and God's grace to me. We were lost, but God expressed that love and mercy towards us. Look at what uh, David says in 2 Samuel 9 and verse 7. He tells Mephibosheth, Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show you kindness. I intend to show you hesed, Because to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. Can you believe the honor? Can you believe the privilege that Mephibosheth gets to have? What a wonderful promise and hope that is given. You know, in this chapter, four times in this chapter, it's repeated that Mephibosheth will eat at David's table. I think the author was trying to send us a message. Four times in 13 verses, it's written, Mephibosheth will eat at David's table. Today, when we go out for that barbecue, today, when we eat that delicious hamburger, right? Can we not remember how God calls us to himself in hesed love? Can we not remember the goodness of the Lord? And and maybe you're here today and you've never experienced that hesed love. I wanna tell you, enjoy God's Hesed love today by coming to Jesus. There'll be people here after the service. Don't worry, the food will wait for you as well. But there'll be people here after the service if you'd like to pray with somebody. If you want to say, yes, I want to experience that same Hesed love, I want to come to the table of Jesus and experience that love. See, Mephibosheth, what was Mephibosheth's response? Look at verse eight. He says, He says, Verse 8, Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed, who is your servant that you should show such kindness to who? A dead dog. A dead dog. That's what he called himself, right? What a blessing for a dead dog to come and sit at the king's table, right? What if you were offered the opportunity to go and sit and eat, maybe with the prime minister, right? Or maybe to go and sit and eat with the queen of England, right? Maybe one day would be such an honor, right? One day would be, would be so amazing to be able to go and sit and eat with the queen. But can you imagine sitting and eating every day with the queen? This was the honor that Mephibosheth had. And it's the honor that we have as children of God to come to the table of the Lord, to come and experience his love and forgiveness and grace and to eat with him continually. How many here are looking forward to a nice barbecue? looking forward to hamburger? It's a good thing. We all are looking forward to that. It's a great thing. And Jesus invites us to his table to experience that love and mercy and grace. You know, there's a story in the New Testament about a Gentile woman, right? And she came to Jesus in Matthew 15 and verse 21. It says, a Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading, "'Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, "'for my daughter is possessed by a demon "'that torments her severely.'" See, this woman calls out to Jesus, but note what she says here. She says, have mercy upon me, O Lord. Who? Son of David. Maybe she's remembering this David who expressed Hesed love, this David who had mercy on Mephibosheth, this David who expressed this kindness and mercy and grace to people. You, Jesus, son of David, can you please have mercy on my daughter? Right? Jesus even really didn't even bother to listen to her initially. And she continued to cry out, Lord, help me. Right? And he said he could, this is Jesus' response was, I can't take the food, I can't take the food from the children and throw it to the dogs. In essence, he was calling her in one sense, you're a Gentile dog. Similar to what Mephibosheth said, he didn't even call him a live dog. Mephibosheth called himself a dead dog. Right? It seems pretty harsh, but look at the beautiful response of this woman. She says in verse 27, That's true, Lord, but even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath their master's table. And Jesus, seeing her faith, what was his response to your woman? Your faith is great. Your request is granted, and her daughter was instantly healed. I don't think those were scraps from the table. I think Jesus said, Wow, look at your face. It's like, here. Take some. Here. Not what falls down, but from the Master's table, partake. From the Master's table, enjoy. From the Master's table, enjoy the blessings of healing, of deliverance, of salvation of provision, of grace, and kindness, and love, and so many things from the master's table. In Revelation chapter 19, here it says how the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And he added, these are true words that come from God. You know, we are such blessed people. Not because of the barbecue after the service, but that's a blessing as well. But there's even a greater feast that we are being invited to. And it's the feast at the table of the Lord. It's that wedding feast that he's preparing for us. He's calling us to come. If you've never experienced Jesus before, if you've never experienced his love and his mercy and his grace, his forgiveness, I want to tell you that today you can. Today you can come to his table because he's calling and he's inviting. And maybe as you take a bite of that juicy hamburger, just remember he invites you to his table. See, David didn't expect anything back from Mephibosheth. He just wanted to show God's kindness. Similarly, God shows us unconditional kindness, unconditional love, unconditional grace. All we have to do is just come to him. We have free food after the service today. Are you going to stay or are you going to skip? Jesus is offering a plate at his table Are you going to stay or are you going to skip? He's calling you. Normally, who do you eat with? Your family, right? Normally, at the table, you eat with your family. Mephibosheth was taken into David's family. David made Mephibosheth as like one of his sons to eat at his family table. And the Lord does the same for us in Galatians chapter 4, verse 6 to 7. It talks about how we become the children of God. We cry out, Abba, Father. We are His children. We are heirs with Christ because we are children of God. Matthew 8, verse 11 says, Jesus saying, He says, I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from the east and from the west. And what will they do? They'll sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. He's calling us to come because he offers to us forgiveness. It's a story of a man named Matt Swatzel and Eric Fitzgerald. And Matt, he was driving home from after a 24-hour shift at work. And as he was driving home, he was so tired, October 2nd, 2006. And he was only 20 years old at the time. And as he was driving home, he fell asleep at the wheel and he crashed into a car that had 30-year-old June Fitzgerald she was, pregnant with, uh, she was pregnant and she had her 19-month-old daughter. Her daughter, Faith, survived, but June passed away and the child died as well. June's husband, Eric Fitzgerald, was a pastor and he was grieving the loss of his, of his wife and of, his, and, and of the child. But he remembered what the Lord had said, you forgive as you have been forgiven. And he said it wasn't an option to forgive. He knew he needed to extend forgiveness to Matt. He knew that he needed to extend kindness and love and grace to him. And so Eric started to extend that forgiveness to Matt. How? By asking the county officer to reduce the penalty that he was going to face. Because he realized that it wasn't intentional, it wasn't something that he purposely did, and he asked, please reduce the sentence. And Matt expected hate from Eric. Not love. But he received love. He received kindness. A day before the two-year anniversary of this accident, uh, Matt wasn't allowed to contact Eric or talk to him because of the case that was going on. But the the day before the two-year anniversary, he was at the store, and he actually had bought a card to send to Eric. And when he was walking out of the store, he saw Eric walking in, and he approached him. And after a brief introduction, Eric, who lost his wife, and lost his child, told Matt, I have a desire to want to be in your life. And Eric has watched Matt become a family man and, raise, and saw him raise him out of this deep guilt that he had faced because of this accident. And Eric's forgiveness created a relationship with Matt that lasted for years. And you know what they would do? They stayed connected by meeting at least once every two weeks. They attended church together, and they ate together at the Waffle House. Can you see how forgiveness and love and grace is extended at the table of the Lord? All right, the second point. Let me go, otherwise I'm not going to finish here. Second thing, David's act of bringing Mephibosheth to his table epitomizes the character of God's kingdom, right? Right? This act of bringing Mephibosheth to his table, it reveals exactly the character of the kingdom of God. Now, the character of God's kingdom is very different than kingdoms in ancient times and even governments of this world. Jesus described part of that in Matthew chapters 5 to 8 on the Sermon on the Mount. It it was very strange. It was principles like turning the other cheek if someone slaps you. It was like going the extra mile if someone asks you to go one mile. It was about giving away your coat to somebody that was in need. It was about loving your enemies. It was about blessing those who persecute you and do evil towards you. It was about trusting God for your daily needs. This is the paradox of the kingdom of God. What you thought made sense, God does the opposite. For example, to bring the grandson of your enemy to your table, into your kingdom, to eat forever, does not make any sense. But that's the character of the kingdom of God. Saul's grand, uh, Saul, who was the grandfather of Mephibosheth, was David's enemy. Saul tried to kill David numerous times, and David had to run away from him. On top of that, Saul was the previous king. Normally, in those days, in the culture of that time, when a new king came to power, he eliminated all the competition. Especially if he wasn't part of that previous family, he would kill off the competition so that there was no one that would try to come and take his power. But instead, David does the total opposite. It's a reflection of the principles of the kingdom of God, the character of God's kingdom. 2 Samuel 9, verse 7, we read this, and how it says, I'm going to show you kindness. And not only is he going to show him kindness, but he says, I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather Saul. David here is not only inviting Mephibosheth to his table tea continually, David is telling him, I'm going to let you have all of your land back. Probably everyone around David, all of David's senior advisors are probably pulling out their hair at this time. And thinking, David, you're crazy. What are you doing? You're bringing your enemy into your own house. You're bringing your enemy into the kingdom. You're allowing him to sit at your table. And not only that, you're restoring his land. David, you're crazy. What are you doing? No. David was reflecting the principles of the kingdom of God. In the world, we see so many times how the strong take advantage of the weak. But in the kingdom of God, the strong help and support the weak. That's the principles of the kingdom of God. Second Samuel 19, verse 28, in another conversation with Mephibosheth, he says, All my relatives and I could expect only death from you, Mephibosheth says to David. My Lord, but instead you have honored me by allowing me to eat at your own table. This is the fifth time that it talks about eating at the table. We were once enemies of God but now he's made us his friends. We were like Mephibosheth, enemies to David, but God brings us into his kingdom. He shows us kindness. In Romans chapter five, verses 10 to 11, it talks about, for since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. He talks about how we become friends. That last phrase says the Lord Jesus Christ had made us friends of God. We've gone from enemies to friends. Mephibosheth went from an, uh, a grandson of, of David's greatest enemy to one of David's friends. In Colossians 1 verse 21 and 22 it says, this includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. See, what God does for us, because this is the principle of the kingdom of God, is not just, if you're my friend, then come in. No, if you're my enemy, please, come in. And he makes his enemies his friends. You know this verse in Psalm 23, it's a very familiar verse. You prepare a table before me, where? In the presence of my enemies right? This Psalm 23 is a really blessed psalm. There's all these amazing things there, but then you read this phrase and think, well, I don't want it. You want to go home to your table and then have all your enemies come to dinner with you? Probably not. It's the way the world thinks. But the way the kingdom of God works is he says, go home. I'm going to bring all your enemies to your table because he brings his enemies to his table to have fellowship and reconciliation. Another aspect of this kingdom of God and another aspect of of Mephibosheth coming into into David's uh, table is that it represents that anyone can come to God. This principle in the kingdom of God is of inclusivity. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter what nationality you are. It doesn't matter if you're abled or disabled. It doesn't matter what your experiences, whether you're educated or not educated, if you're rich or poor or whatever it might be. It doesn't matter. Mephibosheth was rejected. He was disabled. He was, out. he was an outcast. He was rejected from the throne. But this was the person that David brought to his kingdom. It's interesting here because the last verse in chapter 9 says, and Mephibosheth, who was crippled in both feet, lived in Jerusalem and ate regularly at the king's table. I think the author, this is the last verse in chapter 9, I think the author just included this statement again just for shock value. Right? To be like, what? Hold on, wait, what happened? David is, uh, Mephibosheth is crippled on both his feet and where is he? In Jerusalem? At the king's table and he is eating there? Regularly. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Wind this back, hold on. said this where? In Jerusalem? At the king's table? And he's eating there? I think this verse was just added for shock value. Just to be like, what? Hold on. What's going on here? How, this is the beauty of the kingdom of God. The blind, the lame, the weak, the poor, the needy, the disenfranchised, the outcast, the rejected, the despised can come to the table of the Lord. Can come. And be redeemed. Mephibosheth was lame. And in that time and culture, that was looked down upon. He couldn't do so many things because of his status. We also should speak up for the weak. We also should speak up for the disabled, for the disenfranchised, for the outcast, for the underprivileged. Jesus told a parable about about a great feast and that he sent out many invitations and so many people replied with excuses. Oh, I got to do this. I bought a field and I have to check it out. Oh, I got some oxen and I got to have it tried. I got to. I've just got married and I can't come. I wonder what our excuse is today. But Jesus says in that parable in Luke 14, he says, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the towns and invite who? The poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. After the sermon had done this, he reported... There is still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that my house will be full. I want to tell you today that there's room at the table of the Lord. There's room and he's inviting and he's calling and he's saying, come, let my house be full. Mephibosheth was lame, but he was given this awesome privilege. Whatever state you are in today, whatever condition you find yourself today, whatever problem that you have today, please know that at the table of the Lord, the hopeless find hope, the cripple are taken care of, the enemies are made friends, the lost are found, the hungry are fed, the poor are made rich—all at the table of the Lord. This is the kingdom of God which we belong to. This is the kingdom of God that he calls us to. Now, I told you, you know, your bulletin is going to be important. All right, so take your bulletin, open it up, and inside on this page, you'll see this graphic that says barbecue today. Right beside that graphic, it says summer Sundays. Most of you have that says summer Sundays, but three of you all have a different graphic that says you win a free ice cream cone. If you do, can you come up to the stage for a second for your free ice cream cone? Don't be afraid. I know there's three of you out there. All right, Mary. Come. There should be one more that says you want a free ice cream Can you take a seat at the table? There should be one more. Just have a seat at the table. Yeah. At the table. Yeah. See, really, this is the, this is the thing. want. Me? At the t- this is probably Mephippuset's answer. Me? Really? There should be one more. All right, can I get one volunteer? All right. Sammy, come, come, come. Who was it? Oh, it was Franklin? Okay, come. Sammy, Sammy, you come too. There's four chairs. See, the Lord comes and He invites us to His table. He comes and he sets the table before us. He comes and says, come and fellowship at my table. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're old or young. It doesn't matter if you're white or black. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter what your education is, what kind of status you have in life. Everyone is welcome to the table of the Lord. So come to the table of the Lord. He invites us. To come. And, when we, and when we come to the table of the Lord, do you know what we get? Eternal life. You all jumped the gun. We get eternal life. When we come to the table of the Lord, Jesus offers us this free gift of eternal life to fellowship with him. Now, I, I can't give eternal life. I can only give free ice cream. So, Do you all feel happy to get free ice cream at the table of the Lord? Yeah, see? They're happy to get free ice cream. They're happy to sit at the table of the Lord. I want to tell you today that God invites us to his table. Thank you so much. (laughs) All right, last point, and I'll just go through this very quickly. Number three, Mephibosheth's selfless love and loyalty to David embodies what our response should be. To God's unconditional love for us. See, what happened is later in David's reign, Absalom, his son, rebelled against him and tried to take over the kingdom. And David had to flee. Uh, Jerusalem at that time. Later on, Absalom was killed and David returned to Jerusalem. But while David was away, Ziba, remember we read about Ziba who was the one who would help Mephibosheth? Ziba came to David and Ziba brought all of these donkeys and all these things for David to eat. And then David asked, where is your where is your master Mephibosheth? And Ziba said, oh, Mephibosheth stayed back in Jerusalem because he said, now the kingdom will be restored to me. Ziba was being a little deceptive here, it seems like. We don't know the real truth of what exactly happened because there's sort of like two sides to the story. But Ziba said, Mephibosheth stayed back because he thought now the kingdom of Saul will return back to me. And Ziba wanted to show his loyalty to David or what it seemed like loyalty to David. And so finally, David returned back to Jerusalem. And when David returned back to Jerusalem and he saw Mephibosheth, he heard another story. Mephibosheth had not taken care of his feet. He had not trimmed his beard. He had not washed his clothes since David left. And Mephibosheth told David how Ziba had deceived him and how he had left him there and not taken care of him. You can find all of this in 2 Samuel 19. We don't have time to read through all of it. But finally, David realizes what has happened. And he says, okay, Ziba and Mephibosheth, you divide the land, split the inheritance. David was in between a rock and a hard place. He had just faced a rebellion. He had just faced treason from his own son. He didn't know who to trust. And so he comes back and he sees Mephibosheth and he says, okay, Mephibosheth, you and Ziba divide the land. But see the beautiful response of Mephibosheth. He says here in 2 Samuel 19 verse 30, Mephibosheth says, give him all all of it. Let Ziba take it all. I am content just to have you safely back again, my lord, the king. Mephibosheth says, forget about the land, forget about the riches, forget about all, let Ziba have it all, I don't care. As long as you, David, have returned back to the kingdom, I am happy. He just cared for the king. David showed Mephibosheth Hesed love. Remember, that meant covenantal love, loyal love. And in return, Mephibosheth showed to David Loyal love, covenantal love, Hesed love. At a time, at a very crucial time in David's life, when his own flesh and blood, when David's own son betrayed him to try to take away the kingdom, when David didn't know who he could trust, and coming back to Jerusalem, who was there, who was gonna betray him, Who's gonna stay with them? when all of this was going on, so much confusion and commotion going on in Jerusalem, Mephibosheth comes and shows loyal love. Covenantal love said love to David. He says, forget about all the goods. Forget about all of those other things. Lord, just that you're here is good enough. Who cares about the hamburgers? <laughs> Who cares about the free ice cream? Just if we have Jesus. Is that enough? Do we follow for the blessings? Do we follow for the provisions? Do we follow for the good things, the money, the status the way that god blesses our lives or do we follow because we love jesus first john 4 verse 19 we love because he first loved us there's a story in the new testament about 10 lepers that jesus healed on their way only one of them came back to show gratitude how do we respond when we are, we are shown Hesed love and kindness. When Jesus shows us Hesed love and kindness, what is our response to Jesus? When David showed Hesed love and kindness to Mephibosheth, his response to David was to show Hesed love and kindness and loyalty to David. The greatest blessing for Mephibosheth eating at David's table was not the good food, and I'm sure it was good food at the king's table. Much better than some hamburgers. It was not the service that he received. It was not the protection that he got. It was not the land that was restored to him. It was not the money or the provisions or any of those things or the fame of being in Jerusalem, the fame of being at the king's table. No, the greatest blessing that Mephibosheth got seated at the king's table was that he was in the presence of the king. And the greatest blessing that we get is not the provisions, is not the blessings, is not the good things that God does for us, is not all of those things, but it's to be in the presence of Jesus at his table. Our greatest blessing is to be with Jesus. He invites us to his table. We celebrate it every month when we partake of communion as we come to the table of the Lord. I'll ask the Colin and the worship team to come. Colin's gonna sing a song for us. But I just wanna close with with one story that really demonstrates this Hesed love. And it's the story of Edith Taylor. this was a story back in the 1950s. Um, Edith was married to her husband, Carl, for 23 years. She thought that she was the luckiest girl. She had been so faithfully by Carl's side for so many years through times of job loss and depression. She stuck by her husband. And she stayed up late at night dreaming of the house that they would, would purchase and, and with the life that they would have. And one day, Carl's job for the government moved him to another country, to Japan. And uh, he was in a warehouse far away. And Carl was away for a long time, but he would write letters to Edith. But little by little, those letters became fewer and fewer and less and less. Finally, after a long time, Edith received a letter from Carl that told the truth. In In the meantime... Edith had actually purchased a house, thinking that I'm going to surprise Carl when he comes back because she was working and saving up money, and so she purchased a house that they could live together in. But she received this letter that said, Dear Edith, I wish there was a kinder way to tell you that we are no longer married. What happened to Hesed Love? Carl sent divorce papers to Edith, and he wrote that he had taken a 19-year-old Japanese maid as his wife. Edith was 48 years old at the time. How easily she could have hated him, how easily she could have done so many things to be angry at him, but instead she felt sorry for him. She felt that he might have been lonely, felt that this poor girl didn't have any hope and maybe this was what she wanted. She held out hope that that Carl would one day return to her but after some time she got the sad news that he was dying of lung cancer and she would never see him again. And so he wrote a letter to her and after doing all of these things to, to Edith, he wrote a letter to her worried. By this time he had two other daughters in Japan and he wrote a letter saying, I'm worried about my daughters because I've spent all my savings on my health. I don't know what will happen to them. They'll be relegated to poverty, like their mother. And you know what Edith did? She did the unthinkable. She did what Hesed love would do. She did what loyal, covenantal love would do. She said, send the girls to me. I will take care of them. And a few months after Carl's death, these girls came to the United States of America. And she started to take care of these girls girls, but her age was getting up there and she became ill and she realized there's one more thing I need to do. I can't take care of these girls because I'm getting older. I need to bring this girl. Her name was Aiko. I need to bring this girl Aiko over to take care of these girls. And so she did. And that day came when she was at the airport and the airplane landed. And as Edith embraced this girl, Aiko. She did not unleash rage and fury, but this is what she prayed. She said, help me. Help me to love this girl as if she were part of Carl. Come home. I prayed for him to come back. Now he has, In his two little daughters, and in this gentle girl that he loved. Help me, God, to know that. I have no words to describe that. Other than to say that's covenantal love. That's Hesed love. It's the same love that calls us to His table. The same love that says, "Come and eat." He calls us today to come to His table.